Hello and welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the Mario movie. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Uh, we've been talking a lot about movies, and we're going to keep talking about movies for the next couple of weeks. But the big overlap is this is a movie about a game. This is the Super Mario Brothers movie, um, which is coming out in, you know, super strong, made a bit, probably going to make a billion dollars, right? Just like blowing all the, all the houses down and... Uh, I don't know. I guess Chris Pratt's performance wasn't wasn't bad enough to wasn't cringe enough to stop people from showing up. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> thought he was better in the movie than the trailers made it out to be. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe they made him do the lines more as Chris Pratt so that like moms knew that it was Chris Pratt when they saw the trailer. Um, but you know, uh, anyway, let's do our pre-spoiler impressions, buddy. What is your pre-spoiler impressions on this movie or a non-spoiler? Uh, you know, I got to be honest, I found myself a little dif- disappointed with the with the Mario Brothers movie, but this is a disappointment entirely of my own creation. So, I kind of got my expectations up uh unfortunately because of um, the creative team behind the, the, the picture, um, which is Aaron Horvath and Michael Yelenick, who is the uh, they, they were like the executive producers who made um, Teen Titans Go. They made Teen Titans Go to the movies. They got hired to do this project. I obviously am a huge fan of Teen Titans Go and Teen Titans Go to the movies. Um, and I was disappointed that their flair was not really on screen the way that I would have wanted or expected it to be. Um, which is fair enough. You know, I think that's more of a taste thing than like a quality thing. I think in terms of quality, the movie is like fine, but in a pretty middling way, there's a bunch of stuff that I could talk about that is like stupid and dumb and dopey, but like it mostly hits on the good stuff. And so even if there's a lot of decisions that happen that don't make a lot of sense, um, and the plot kind of moves in this direction that insists, you know, like it knows what it's where, where it's going more than sort of proves that it knows where it's going. Um, it, you know, it was just kind of fine. Right. Um, so that's kind of like my big, my big overview. I'm personally disappointed, even though I think that the movie is just, you know, it's, it's okay. It's inoffensive. It's a perfectly service, serviceable kids movie. It's better than a lot of the other, you know, um, uh, kid, kid centered schlock that I feel like comes out. Um, even that comes out from this studio to be completely honest with you. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, I'm mostly in the same boat. I'll, I'll go go into a little bit more, but something that occurred to me while you were talking. How do you think it compares to the Sonic movies? <coughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a really interesting comparison. Yeah, I mean, it is. I think Sonic is better. I think I agree with oh, that. I don't, maybe Sonic 1 is about the same. Sonic 2, which we both said was better than Sonic 1, was, was better wild movie the dozen is ridiculous so but I, I i think this is actually kind of what you talk about when you talk about like you know movies like striving right like i think mm. i don't think sonic strove particularly hard but i think it strove more than the mario movie right like um i think this is, like you said it's a perfectly serviceable movie it is like how the, the memories that comes to mind is like a white sphere right like Everything interesting, everything 
interesting has been sanded off of this movie. Lou in the chest says Olive Garden approves of this decision. Oh uh, my god. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but like even like the audacity <laughs> of like the Olive Garden like product placement made the Sonic movie more memorable to me than the Mario movie, right? Like the Mario movie Man, is- okay, you have like fucked me up with this comparison. I have so many thoughts now. I'm like exploding with thoughts because I didn't even think about it. I didn't for once think about it. All um, right, well, we will we will get to that. Let me get my thoughts out first sure. so we can, yeah. we can yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So <coughs> I think the movie is fine. Like you said, it's kind of pablum. It is the most empty calorie movie I have seen in a long time, right? I will not remember this memory. And I think most of the positive feelings that I have attributed, I can attribute to this movie is like, I like Mario a lot. And I played Mario as a kid for, you know, a long time. And then I saw the Mario things on screen and that made me smile. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's okay. And the thing I remember coming out of that movie, like top of mind, most of all, is like, it is good that this movie was like, up like 90 minutes. Like this is like barely 90 minutes if that long, right? Like, it's like, this movie is perfect because if it had gone on like one second longer, I would have been like, you know, this is too long, right? So, um, like you said, perfectly serviceable, perfectly fine. Reminded me a lot. Like I saw the Minions movie at one point um, just because it was like this. So, me and some coworkers back when I was in San Francisco were like, let's go see a movie. And like the common denominator movie that we could find that like no one like had strong negative opinions on was the Minions movie. Similarly, back in college, I went to see a movie with some of our some of our mutual friends like Barry and, and that group of people, and I wanted to see like the Cloud Atlas or like <laughs> yes, and like you know I <coughs> I famously don't like the Cloud Atlas, but I hadn't seen it yet, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like people were like, I don't want to think that. Hard. Literally, somebody said, I don't want to think that hard. And so we ended up watching Despicable Me, which I liked. But again, one of these very simple, very well executed movies, all by Illumination Studios. Right? Despicable Me like launches this. this- uh, well, so this funny thing, I would say the Minions is a is bad. This is what I'm throwing shade at, right? Okay. Which when I when I say other movies by the studio that I think are schlock, like that's Despicable Me or uh, not Despicable actually me, I the first dip, Despicable Me I think is good. The sequels. Have you seen either of the sequels? I have not seen the sequels. I have seen both of the sequels and they are both bad. Um they, you know, and and like this is the stuff. The Mario movie has real heart, right? Um it just kind of has the most basic of Heart and and the weird thing is is it's like an anti Gonzo movie in a way whatever we'll talk about it. I'm sorry I'm stepping all over you go ahead no 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 that they, that that was what I wanted to to say right like dude like so I'm I'm actually gonna say that like we'll put the spoiler marker here but like sure. it, there's really nothing to spoil. spoil yeah right like um also buddy real quick make sure you're on the right mic it feels like you're like you oh um, am I on the oh I might be on my <laughs> I think you're on like a like if it, it feels like you're getting interference <coughs> when you're not even like on the when you're like like you, you like I I do the stream over this mic. <coughs> it feels like you're getting weird interference. Anyway, point, okay. Well, I have changed to to oh, be on the right mic. I think yeah, so. definitely very smooth, silky smooth. But point being that like there's not a lot to spoil for this movie, right? Like you could know every plot detail, and the point is you see Mario rendered in 3D and you see him like do stuff. So spoiler warning, spoiler I guess for 
Sonic, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of other touch points I have for here, right? Like Warcraft, for instance, is my favorite of the video game movies. Um, I would maybe say that it's the best of them because almost all the other ones are for kids. And I kind of feel like it's hard for a kid's movie to really kind of compete with something that is uh, that is like going harder, even though I think there's a lot of issues with the, the, Warcraft, the Warcraft movie. movie yeah. Um, yeah, like maybe Detective Pikachu would be close to my other best video game movie right like i'm trying to think what what would i even like put in this in this category um because yeah. there have been a lot of video game movies that have come out over the past couple of years yeah i mean like <sighs> monster hunter and <coughs> like um Unch i didn't see uncharted we didn't even do uncharted yeah, we didn't even do Uncharted. Yeah. I forgot about it, to be honest. Uh, there's also Rampage. The Rock had that Rampage movie. Yeah, I guess. But we, it's just like, yeah. We could count Free Guy, which we both hated. Uh, oh, yeah, Free Guy. Really, really hated that bad bad boy. Mortal Kombat we did. Um, yeah. Oh, did you ever watch the Tomb Raider movie? This may be a good one. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, I th we might have done the Tomb Raider movie. Like, the, like the, the, the reboot. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah, there's like I, I might agree with you that Warcraft is the best video game movie, but just for lack of other options, right? Like Yeah, like I just I don't think we've had a truly good one in ever, right? Yeah, okay. Um in the same way that like I would probably point to maybe Sam Raimi's Spider Man, right? Um and Spider Man two as this kind of like one two punch of truly excellent superhero movies that started off a superhero movies boom, right? Um uh I don't or maybe I, you know what I would say is it's it's the sequel to X-Men, X2, right, and Spider-Man 2 <coughs> are kind of like the these two really excellent superhero movies that came out relatively close to one another, right, within a couple of years. I think within two years of each other. Um, and I would say that's like the real genesis of the superhero movie boom, right? This is where superhero movies kind of like took off. Um, I don't think – I just don't think that there has been anything like that for, for video games. Um, yeah, like maybe this Last of Us HBO series, but like that's like not a movie. Like, yeah, I have not seen that, but uh, yeah, neither have I. I'm just like looking, and like the only other movies that are like even in the genre are like diegetic Pokemon and like like the the Final Fantasy 15 movie Kingsglaive. I remember watching that when the thing came out, and that's like basically the opening of the game. Um, yeah. The angry, the angry Birds movie would be another one. Um, right. You know, like, the, like this is sort of what I said. Like, I'm looking at a list right now, and the list, we, weirdly we, enough, do you remember we did has, the Assassin's Creed movie, which was terrible with Michael Fassbender? Oh, I know. I want. I wanted to love that. That is the perfect kind of bait movie for me. That is truly bad, but like, it wants to be good. So it like wants to. It's striving, right? Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I do think Warcraft is probably my pick. I think it is the best video game movie just because it has a, a good amount of ambitions. It does execute on it, on its plot reasonably well, even though it has way more problems than any anything like you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, right? Um, which is number three on this list on Rotten Tomatoes of the top 50 video game movies. So, so buddy, the <laughs> chat brings up the Resident Evil movies, which are, like, famous for, like, basically being dog shit because it's like all like this dude and like i think it's his wife plays 
the like somebody in Resident Evil, or maybe I'm confusing it with a different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the producer, and his wife is Mila Jovovich. Jovim- yeah, Jovim- right. You're right. Yes. Yeah. And so he just bankrolls all of these movies basically for her. To be honest, I have actually heard. I I have not watched any of them in a long time, um, but I have actually heard for real that the Resident Evil movies are kind of so bad they're good, like, almost sort of like the Fast and Furious movies in a way, Uh, but like a worse version of that, right? I would make the argument the Fast and Furious movies are truly good, right? Um, The Resident Evil movies are bad, but, like, you can get into them and have a really fun time by going and watching, you know, like, all of them. Uh, I definitely saw the first one, but I don't, I can't think of any of the other ones. Um, The only other movie that I would, that I would consider, by the way, as a contender for best video game movie is Silent Hill. Did you ever see the Silent Hill movie from the late 2000s? That movie is actually pretty fucking great. Um, The first one, uh, let me see if I can actually find on this list where, where it comes down in terms of, um, in terms of like ranking, uh, the first one, okay, yeah, it came out in 2006. Um, I, I I actually thought it was was pretty was pretty good, um, but that was a long time ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. I was in high school, so I don't really like trust myself. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. The Mario movie, there's nothing to there's nothing to spoil. There's no Wario. There's no Waluigi. Um, you know, that was what I was hoping for. That was the thing. I was like, surprise me, do Wario. That would be great. Yeah, do something interesting at all. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, it is basically the exact movie that you saw in the trailers. You just like assumed you saw in the trailers. Um, if, you know, you or anyone else actually did in fact see the trailers. Um, so. <laughs> you gonna live there? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, it was, it was just so, so nothing right like you the, anyway do you, do you want to do maybe we could talk about this like because like there's nothing really to talk about with the movie right like you know it's yeah i mean there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't work that i want to talk about but i kind of like it. don't yeah. even want to go go super hard it's just like it's stuff like peach and mario just sort of the the, the this is what i said when the movie doesn't prove itself it insists upon itself right i hate using that phrase that's a family guy bit but it the proper verbiage from what I'm trying to explain. Um, Mario and Peach just sort of go on this adventure for no reason, right? Um, I don't believe that they, that he has convinced her to let him come on this adventure and he just lays out the, or I'm sorry, she just lays out the adventure like front to back without any issue at all. She says, oh, Bowser's coming, we're going to go to Donkey Kong, and we're going to get Donkey Kong to do stuff for us, right? Um, But there's no, like, thought or, you know, um, it it is just the movie sort of painting, like, like traffic lines to where it's going to go next, and there's no issue about it whatsoever. It just goes, yep, Donkey Kong exists in this world, we're going to go say hello to him, that's it. Yeah, Um, you can tag along because... Your brother's in danger, I guess, right? Like, yeah, and it's like, but like, you don't even have any, you don't have any connection to Luigi, or it's not, it's not even like Peach has anything to go off of when it comes to his brother. And it's not even like Mario shows like a real kind of, um, uh, like, there's nothing, you know, <sighs> there's, there's no, like, there is explicitly not really competency 
right? Like she makes him run that gauntlet and like he fails a bunch, right? Like, (coughs) um, and you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like, like the tenuous thread, I guess, is like, he is a human and she, and he's like the first human that she's seen ever. Right. Like, I guess. But, that, but there's not even anything special about that until later, right? You know, so, okay, so for instance, in a classic, let's let's use a romance, right? In a classic romance, the thing that happens here is essentially a meet-cute, right? right? Which is where your two romantic leads are getting together, right? And there is typically, like, a superficial, whatever, like, attraction. They have banter. They have chemistry. Sure. But the thing that makes it real is there is something underneath the surface, right? Some deficiency in one of them that the other provides. Use Titanic as an example, because this is the thing that's on my mind. When Rose meets Jack, right? She feels, spoilers for Titanic, you guys, okay? When Rose meets Jack, she feels like a bird trapped in a birdcage, right? And he is this wild and free, you know, guy. And he invites her, into, you know, like he invites her to continue living her life by saving her life. She's going to she's going to jump off the ship and he prevents that from happening. Right. They have this back and forth. They have this banter. But the, the thing underneath that underneath the surface. Right. Is that he provides this thing and he she has a real connection like with him. Right. In an adventure movie sense, maybe <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to think of like a good like action movie. That, that fulfills this role. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I have the best example for this. I'm a fucking moron. In the Fast and the Furious, right? Dom and Brian also have this, right? This adhesion, right? Where they superficially get along. They have this sort of same interest, but Brian's integrity, right? In the way that he shows up to save Vin Diesel's life after the, or I'm sorry, save, not save his life, save him from going to jail. The cops are after him, right? Um, when all of the rest of his friends have bailed, that shows Vin Diesel, that shows Dom that Brian has integrity and he is the only person in his crew that has the integrity to keep him out of, to keep him out of jail. This is the real connection, right? That they have. Peach and Mario don't have this bond. They get it later because as they're on the adventure, she talks about how, oh, I'm the only human, Right. I don't know where I come from. I feel lost or whatever. But it's like it's not like n- none of that is ever really on display in the first in the first hand, right? Yeah, it, it, it gets mentioned, and then they do like the slow down <coughs> when, they, when they see each other for the first time, and that's yeah. like that. That's your romance right there, right? Like you know, yeah. And uh, and so that's that's and I also think that. Oh boy, oh god. Am I going to make this argument? I also think that the way in which the movie plays Mario's incompetency for laughs really undercuts the story in a lot of these situations, right? Um, which I actually understand where, where the impulse comes from, and it's because of Teen Titans Go, because they do that with Robin. Robin is most commonly the butt of the joke in Teen Titans Go, but Teen Titans Go is an ensemble where you have four wacky goofball you know, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Starfire, and Raven. You have these four wacky goofball joke tellers who all have their own dialogue and snappy delivery or whatever. And and Robin is the straight man that they are kind of perpetually making fun of. And even Teen Titans Go to the Movies, right, makes fun of Robin 
implicitly by the way that he wants a movie about himself. This is the whole plot of the movie. He wants a movie about himself and he is denied that at every turn, right? There is no respect for Robin, right? Um, um, Robin also exists in a cultural, like, you know, Teen Titans Go only works because we know who Robin, like, we know who these superheroes are, right? Like, you could not, out of the ether, make, I don't know, adolescent adventures go right like they're like <coughs> yeah. five characters you haven't heard of right unless they're like explicitly trying you know they're explicitly pastiches of another character right like Titans go works because we know who robin is kind of in the cultural context right? yeah and he and it is making fun of that other version yeah. of robin right. in a lot of ways yes. right the but it is a pair it is i don't want to say it's a parody but it is a parody right it is a parody of the 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 version of Robin that you see in every other superhero movie, yeah. right? Honestly, the version of a lot of super like Robin is archetypally like a lot of superheroes. He kind of stands in for you know um, Superman or Batman or whoever else right. when when the story wants to be about that kind of a noble justice you know person being made fun of by the essential like Looney Tunes that are all around him, right? Um, but even in but even in that movie, Robin is competent. Right. Because when it comes to the action, when it comes to the fighting, right, there are not jokes being paid at Robin's expense in terms of his skills and abilities. He can still, you know, uh, go toe to toe with whoever, you know, like whoever it is. Right. And he is fighting alongside all of his friends, even as his friends are making fun of him. So he's like his competence as a superhero is not in question or in doubt. It is just that he has an attitude that gets constantly made fun of, right? In the Mario Brothers movie, Mario doesn't really have an attitude or a character or like a personality like that. And there's no ensemble, really. It's mostly just him and one other person, right? It's him and Toad, it's him and Peach, it's him and Donkey Kong, right? Um, but he is constantly being undercut in terms of like what he is able to accomplish and do and, you know, as as a figure, I don't believe that he is like a real hero who's capable of doing anything because the movie is constantly making fun of how useless and powerless he is. Do, does that make sense? It, 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 it does <coughs> in some ways. Like the, the other part of this too is like I, I I think I think I generally agree with you, but the, the problem here is, and this is the problem they made with the first Mario movie too, right? Like, um, it's kind of like. They're playing this up as kind of like a fish out of water story, right? Like neither of these, yeah. you know, Mario and Luigi don't know where they're going or where they are. Like they don't know what's happening, right? And so like him not understanding how things go makes sense in the in the kind of like the the diegetics, I guess, right? Like it makes sense that like if you were a plum Italian American plumber that got transported to a world with pipes and talking mushrooms and like turtles that you had to jump on, you wouldn't have the hang of it real quick, right? But like um, it's also it's but like that's like not super compelling because he's not like this works in like a superhero movie because you've got someone like playing with like new powers they're trying to master and their typical first villain is someone who has mastered their powers faster either faster or like already had their powers right like this is like you know 
Um, you know, oh, yeah. This is classic stuff, right? Yeah. The villain stays constant. The, the hero changes, right? So, for instance, Zod starts the movie of Man of Steel more powerful than Superman. But Superman's ability to grow and change and work together with the humans is the thing that ultimately undoes Zod because he is rigid and refuses to change or grow, right, um, in order to, you know, be, be back Superman, right? This is sure. the, the, the common thing. The person who is capable of change loses in the first fight and then wins in the second fight because he changes from A to B. Actually, Aquaman would be a better example of this. Aquaman loses to Orm in that first fight, but then he goes through his character arc, he changes, he accepts responsibility for you know the people and the duty that comes with being a king, and that gives him access to the special trident or whatever. He fights Orm again at the end of the movie, and he's actually capable of beating Orm one-on-one -on -one this time because he's gone through that arc while Orm has stayed the same, right? This is... Number yeah, any any movie has this kind yeah. of shit, and, and like, I mean, you could even you could even do that with this, but you but you don't right like, like because like, the arc of Mario's arc is like he is self confident, and he believes in himself, right? And then like he, you know, he's like semi competent for a while, and like <laughs> his arc in the final <laughs> moment is like still <laughs> like actually like still believing in himself, right? Like you know like. It's not like like it feels like Luigi should have been the star of this movie, and he like arcs yep. through like you know like you know he's a coward and becomes like a brave person, right? Like yeah, because like and I think there's a certain part of this that is built to be about in a meta textual way video games, right? Like I had a moment where I was like, it's actually kind of clever that they're going with this, um, where Mario's thing is he just keeps getting up and doing the course over and over right. and over again, right? Um, but the movie. That's me projecting out of the movie. I don't think the movie actually supports that, right? Because it, it does he doesn't. You, you don't know when to stay down, right? Like that's like like the thing that happens. Like and it's like muddy, but like that's kind of what that is, right? Yeah, um, and uh, and it's also not like he gets real pushback and has to show. So, for instance, there's a imagine a version of things. Peach says, "Do the course, and if you can do the course, you do the thing," right? Um, and then she, like, goes through all this exposition, whatever. He does the course. He immediately, like, flubs. There's a version of things where she says, sorry, Mario, you're out of luck. And she walks away. But he goes, you know what? I'm not leaving. And he just stays there. And he keeps drilling it over and over and over again. She comes back the next morning. And he's doing, la you know, like, he's doing loops Yeah, of and it, we right? move on. He's climbed to the top of the tower and, like, pulls zero out, right? Like, you know. Yeah, or that's the scene you're talking about, right? Like, you know, she rejects him, she walks away, and his stick to it of this is what like she's she's she should not be supportive in this situation, right? Like Yeah, exactly. But she is she is explicitly supportive of it. In fact, I would say that she like encourages him, which is all which is all part of this sort of like muddiness or whatever. Right. Um so yeah, that's you can solve this easily too, right? Like, I'm just thinking about it. You have that like toad who's like like the toad with the glass, the old one that's like everybody's gonna fucking die, right? Yeah. Like you know, you you have him be like you know he's a failure, he's not going to save us. Princess, you need to get ready for your trip tomorrow, and she like drags her inside, and like he she could still be like you know you know I believe in you, Mario, or whatever. But like you have some some like a minor internal antagonist, right? To like put that tension in there. And it's not there at all, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Um, um, and so, and so, I think that stuff is sort of um, is sort of frustrating. I also just think that like 
it's trying to make some sort of, this is the metatextual statement. It's about like video games, right? The nature of video games. So for instance, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm playing StarCraft 2, right? Um, I've been talking about StarCraft the past couple of weeks. I'm playing StarCraft 2. And my new thing is I'm getting all of the achievements, right? Because I've actually never done that in the campaign before where I'm going through and I'm doing, there's, a, there's an achievement on normal and an achievement on hard. They don't give you anything gameplay wise, but I just like the idea. There's a, you know, there's a little placard when you beat the, when you beat a level. Um, and in there, there's like a little grayed out achievement. I just want to have all of those filled in, right? Um, just for my own personal whatever. Some of those achievements are pretty hard and I've had to replay the levels in order to get them, right? Um, and there's something about that tenacity that I think is universal about video games, right? This yeah. idea that you're going to try, you're going to start over and try again, right? Um, before the cast, I was telling you about how Zoetti, uh, I beat I beat Zoetti in an older version of the game, but now that we have, you know, the game comes out uh, in a couple of days, and I have that launch version of the of the game. I wiped my save and I started over, um, and I'm having trouble beating it again. But that doesn't mean that I'm stop I'm I'm stopping myself from trying. So I actually like that a lot. And when I say that the movie has heart, a lot of it is in this stuff, right? Um, it's in it's in that you know. I get knocked down and I, I get up again sort of uh, mentality yeah. and figuring out how to how to, you know, keep keep persevering even when when stuff is is, is tough. Um, but I don't think even though I thematically like that and I think that it's it's like real and the movie gets some like credit for it. I don't actually think that it wants to be about that because the movie kind of doesn't want to be about anything. Right. Um, it is just sort of the polished the polished white sphere on which to, you know, reflect back at you. I saw this in Mario. Yeah. You know, Oh, it's got the cat suit. That's from the new game. Right? Like, you know, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have a, a, other issues with the power ups themselves. Um, because they, they're bad. They suck. Uh, I don't know. They're there's, uninteresting. There's, and there's a lot of like, th there's a lot of kind of like, Cinema Sins level stuff, right? Like, I know this is, like, absolutely nothing, but I couldn't stop thinking to myself, what is the geopolitical situation whereby Peach goes to, like, Cranky Kong and says, give me your army, and, like, has literally nothing to give it, to show in return for it, right? Like, it's like... This is what I mean when I say it insists upon itself instead of proving itself, right? There, there isn't even a hand wave to something that she is willing to offer to get him to, to agree to that, right? Um, and then he just like opts into this thing where he's like, you know what? I'm so cool and overconfident that I'm going to offer you this deal that I have no incentive or reason to even consider, right? Where if Mario beats Donkey Kong, I will fight for you. And it's like, none of this is motivated by anything. Yeah, no, I, you could, you could, like you said, you could even fig leave it, right? Like you could, you could, like have it be. You could. It's not even like an act of. It's not played like an act of hubris, right? Like yeah. you know, Cranky's just kind of like offers it, right? It's not like like because Cranky's a sensible one. It's not. It's not like you know, Donkey Kong, you know, flies off the handle and like makes the offer because you know he's a hot-headed you know goon, mm -hmm. right? And like and Cranky's like, well, I don't want to do this. 
but like this is an official proclamation from the prince of the kingdom, so I have to honor it, right? Like you know, or um, you know, like or Peach is a is a smart diplomatic actor, and she goads him into it, right? Um, by you know saying whatever, and then it's like, oh well, actually, Peach is pretty good at playing at playing these politics or whatever, and she recognizes that Donkey Kong is a hothead and is able to take advantage of that in order to get her way, right? Like there's just no consideration for any of this, like any yeah, below I, the surface thought uh, again there's like there, there's like a little bit like that like if you really wanted to like go to bat for the like you know she says if the mushroom kingdom falls then the the you know the 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 monkey kingdom or whatever their name for it is comes next and like i could see that being like a real justification if they put anything into it anything at all into it she just kind of says it and we like i guess we're supposed to take it at face value even though like there's like no discussion of like why like it's not, it's not like the resources of the Mushroom Kingdom are so vast that like let's Bowser just like run over everybody else, right? Like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, one hundred percent, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, right? Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's just kind of like, do the thing, do the thing, get to the set piece, get to the Rainbow Road, so we can like, you know, do a Mario Kart bit, right? Like, you know. Do the fight. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> yeah. The Mario Kart bit is probably where I really fell off of, like, all the way off of the movie, right? <laughs> because <coughs> it is entirely unsupported by anything, um, and is just there. You know. Okay, so Aristotle's poet. Have I ever talked about Aristotle's poetics on the cast before? I don't think so. This is like how I organize my my media criticism, and it is ridiculous that I've done this podcast for like eight years and we've never actually talked about it. But okay, Aristotle's poetics. He talks about a hierarchy of things that are important to st storytelling. Technically, he's talking about tragedies, um, but I'm you know it's pretty applicable to yeah, everything, yeah. right? So at the top you have plot, then you have character, then you have theme, then you have um, setting, and then you have what's called melody, which is him essentially talking about um like uh you know just things have to look good aesthetic right um and then you have spectacle right and th they're ranked in that order because aristotle has a lot of disdain for spectacle right something that is supported by its spectacle is bad and not worth it, right? Something that is supported by its plot is good and worth it, right? You should focus on your plot. You should focus on your characters. You don't really need to focus as much on spectacle, right? I felt like this movie is focused entirely on spectacle. Yep. It's just like, can I, you know, can I show you this thing that you've already seen um, in a way that vaguely, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like it was, it's, it's a bunch of dots, and each dot is a is like a familiar thing, right? It's oh, Mario eats a mushroom, chain chops, right? Rainbow Road, and the movie is just trying to figure out how to connect each of those dots, as many of those dots as it possibly can, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like that's the, what the whole Rainbow Road thing was. It was just complete ridiculousness, um, just to shoehorn the expected thing of oh i know mario kart in there yeah no i mean they like <laughs> at every turn they like could like make an interesting decision and they don't right like there's one this thing that kept recurring to me occurring to me is like you know um you know bowser somehow know like knows where they are all the time 
right? Like, like they, you know, none of their plan, they're, they're, part of their plan is for this to be secret, and none of it is ever secret. And I'm like, oh, maybe the twist is going to be like Toad's a mole, right? Like, you know, because like she, he's the only person who has access to all this information. That would make some amount of sense, right? Like that, you know, that that's an explanation for why this happens. And like, you know, you have like a big reveal that it's like that Toad is actually like a comic in disguise or so, or something like that, right? Like, but it's not, right? It's just kind of like I guess, uh, you know, it's not explained, which is fine. But like, there's like nothing. There's just like it's like there's nothing, right? Like it's just kind of like. They know where they are so that the plot can happen, right? Like, you know, Bowser never uses the star because so the plot can happen and the Mario Brothers can take it, right? Which is like, I don't know, that was like the most aggravating Deus Ex Machina too, right? Like, they grab the star yeah. and then, like, they're literally invincible, which apparently, like, nobody knew how it worked, I guess, right? Because, <laughs> like, and, like, is there only one of them, right? Like, like it's it's... Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, – what did I like about this art? I liked the effect, the oh, visual yeah, effect no, like where this, it kind of like covers the them with their force field. Right, like, that was cute. Yeah. I like the music. Uh, actually, the, uh, this is this is no holds barred, a real positive. The music was great. And it was great because it used all of the familiar themes, yeah. right? Um, this is something that I think a lot of stuff has been missing uh, in terms of video game, you know, uh, content. But in, just in terms of other, like, musical stuff, right – uh, but we're seeing it more and more, which makes me happy. Like, for instance, in the Flash trailer, they play the the traditional Batman 89 theme song um, for um, Michael Keaton when he shows up, right? Um, in the Shazam movie, right? They play Wonder Woman's theme, even though it was fucking ridiculous because they didn't change the instrumentation. So the timbre of it was all fucking wrong, right? Um, and in uh, in Mario... Uh, they do. They use a lot of the like the classic Mario songs, uh, but they but they vary them right um, and put them in the right in the in the proper context. So it is the melody that you expect. We were listening to the star melody, but it is the star melody as arranged and orchestrated as if it is the triumphant hero moment of the movie, right? Which I think is unambiguously good right um and the kind of shit that i that i wish you know i don't know we saw we saw more of in these sorts of movies i yeah no i, I i'll i'll give you that right like you know like 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 you said this movie is all, all rest of the spectacle and i think the spectacle is pretty good for what it is right like as spe spectacle as spectacle spectacle <laughs> qua spectacle it's, good, it's just not in support of like an interesting plot right like, yeah which is weird <laughs> Because we both said that the Sonic movie was better. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is because like, yeah, because the Sonic movie has like the the plot's not great, but it's got character and it's got like Jim Carrey chewing the scenery, right? And we almost had that, right? Like, Jack Black does a pretty okay job as Bowser, but he gets like, the problem is, is like when Jack Black is like being, being like cool, he's being Jack Black, which is like not. And he's not being Bowser, right? Like, he yeah. I so I do like Jack Black as Bowser, and I think that it, it was good in the movie. But I, my thing with it was he doesn't interact with the heroes at all until the very yeah. end of the movie, right? And it keeps cutting to him, and he's doing funny shit, and that's fine. I like you know Bowser singing about Peach, and I like this thing of like Bowser is ridiculous and wants to marry Peach because it is it kind of puts a hat on. Um, or a lampshade on maybe um, the 
the ridiculousness of the plot of any of the Mario movies that Bowser is constantly trying to like marry Peach or whatever. Um, and actually taking that serious is so nonsensical that it is inherently a joke that they play into. I actually thought that's pretty clever and I'm, I'm on board for all that, but he doesn't interact with them ever at all until the very end of the movie, which I think is, that's the thing that I'm just like, okay, come on. You got yeah. You got, you have to give me something there, right? There's this weirdness where like, so Bowser as a character in the Mario canon. I know this is like a weird way to go with this, but like there are two two, two Hit versions. Hit me. Of Let's go. There are Do two the versions lore. of Bowser, right? Like in the mainline games, he's basically a terrifying hell beast, right? Like he breathes fire. He's like as murderous as you can be in a children's game, and he's like a terrible person, right? And any game where he's like the secondary vi villain, this happens most commonly in like the Paper Mario games, right? Like mm -hmm. he's like a blundering goofball. He's your classic kind of like you know. Um, He's your classic kind of, like, you know, anti-villain, right? Like, bad dude, secretly pretty pretty okay underneath and just misunderstood and hurt, right? Like, he's like your Jack Spicer in Shaolin Showdown, right? I don't know why that came to mind, but that's the pull I <laughs> Mind-blowing. Jack Spicer. You've seen Shaolin Showdown? I can't, like, I've seen Shaolin Showdown? My brain cannot handle this. What? I, he, I went to him because he, like, I don't think he ever actually gets a redemption arc, even though it's kind of, like, hinted at, right? Just True. Like, he is not, he, he's not Zuko, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he Zuko's is, the yeah. Other example, right? Like, you know, I haven't seen Avatar, but, like, you know, I know Zuko does a, does a face turn at some point, right? Like, th that's, like, but also. Yeah, Jack Spicer never has a face turn. He is always evil, but he, you, he has understandable motivations, and you understand that he is, like, a bad guy for a reason, right? Yeah, but he's also, like, absolutely, like, <coughs> His villain, his villainousness is like goofy, right? Like the other example is like yeah. the Amoeba Gang and like the Powerpuff Girls, right? Like you know, they're yeah, like sure. nominally evil, but like not they're not the serious threat, right? Like there's this this happens all over the place, right? You you could probably think of an example at home if if if, if you're motivated, um, but like so, in this movie, Bowser is being that goofy secondary villain that we're like that we like, like you know, this is like the re like Ghostbusters, right? The regulator is a villain, but he's not the threat, right? Like, he just causes the problem, right? Like, um, like Bowser in this movie wants to be that secondary villain, but he's, he's like, doing the secondary villain shtick while being the primary villain. And, like, like I fully expect in, you know, this movie's making, like, you know, too much money, and so there's going to be another one, right? Like, you know, this is... Um, in the next movie, I'm sure the threat will be, like, some villain that we're familiar with that isn't Bowser, right? Like, it'll be, like, you know, um, some galactic-level threat, right? Like, you know, the Luma's in this, right? Like, But, like, it'll be, like, Comic has decided that Bowser's incompetent and, like, or, or something like that, right? And then Bowser will get to be his goofy self but still be, like, a secondary, like, you know, villain, right? Like, you know, the first half of the movie will be, like, you know, convincing Bowser that he needs to help them defeat wario right or something like that right like um and uh that'll be that'll be the the, the thing that happens and then his character will fit right this is like this kind of reminds me of how we talk about how like you know um not daredevil uh deadpool right deadpool is good in a deadpool and cable movie because deadpool's actually the secondary character and oh yeah and, and you know cables like our primary um our, our primary thing right like this is like how like you know 
um, uh, Plastic Man in an ensemble cast is like always a secondary character because he's goofy, right? Like Bowser can work as this goofy version of himself when there's like a real serious threat to deal with, right? But like it doesn't, or like, but it doesn't, I don't think he works quite here when he's just kind of like he's goofy and like you can't really hang your hat off of it, right? Like, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it works, like, totally, right? Like, I, I know that was kind of yep. a mess, but, but that's where I'm going. No I, no, I feel that. I mean, like, to me, I feel like you could have done a lot of stuff. For instance, in, imagine a world in which... So, one of the things that happens is Bowser captures Peach on the Rainbow Road, right? But he doesn't personally do this, right? He sends his minions to do it. This is the mistake, right, um, that, that, like, bugs me about it um, and that I feel like you could fix in a version of this movie that is better, where Bowser himself is on Rainbow Road and he drives Mario and Donkey Kong off the road and they go underwater, right? Um, and he captures Peach himself. It's like, you can, you can see those sorts of things that are like, here is me backing up my my ability to be a threat, right? Or you could do the thing where his goofiness, actually, this is what happened in the Teen Titans Go movie, right? Slade was goofy. He was telling jokes in that movie, but, he, but the jokes were at the expense of the Teen Titans, right? So in that movie, he was doing, quote unquote, mind manipulation, but the mind manipulation was just like really basic basic like sleight of hand like the thing with the um i can't even do it offhand the thing with like the finger you pull your finger off um or whatever and the teen titans were like so blown away by this that slade just walks past them grabs a crystal and like leaves or whatever right the joke there he is being goofy he's being a joke teller but the joke there is is at the expense of how bad the teen titans are right um and you probably could have done something relatively similar with bowser in this where he is telling the jokes he is a funny guy right but he is he is triumphing over the heroes and establishing himself as a threat while he is doing doing those things i don't feel like any of that really happened um that said i still like bowser the most uh in terms of any of these characters um (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) sorry to be honest um character i was probably most disappointed in was donkey kong because i think if we're making fun of chris pratt for just doing the chris pratt voice chris pratt tried to be mario more than seth rogan tried to be donkey kong uh and that bugged me uh yeah no just on a basic yeah i i we mentioned this before the cast but i I, it was I i think it was before the cast i think Chris Pratt's voice was much better in the movie than the trailers led us to believe. I don't think yeah. it was like perfect, but like you know, like you like. I think the problem is, is like, Donkey Kong doesn't like have like a strong personality. Like you know, it's not like Mario particularly does either, but he has something. Whereas I think Donkey Kong really doesn't have. So I think that the movie gave Mario his credit, right? Yeah. Where they created a personality for him. Sure enough, I'm I'm on board with that, right? Um, which is funny because Sonic does the opposite. Sonic, I actually think the Sonic games establish a personality for Sonic better than the Mario games <coughs> establish a personality for Mario, right? Because in Sonic, I yeah, I the fact he is a you know wise cracking, fast talking, you know whatever, right? Like that's yeah. that, yeah, exactly. That is his the thing in in his games. Um, but I don't th- think I could compare that to something similar in Mario. He like he just no. when does he ever have 
personality in any of the games. Yeah, Mario is just supposed to be like a kind of like a player saver. Also, because he like he it's it's not like he's got like plot heavy games, right? Like you know. Yeah. Um, and it, like his entire personality is like it is literally just like you know take the stereotype of like Italian American from Brooklyn. Right, and just like take all of your cultural context about that and like shove it into Mario, and that's how you get Mario's character, which is fine, right? Like, you know, you know, talk about representation, that family <laughs> felt pretty real to me, right? Like, you know, you know, fair, fair enough, you know, I guess. When, I don't when, think when, I liked when Mario's dad said, like, Why would you leave a good paying job? I was like, <laughs> Oh no, oh no. <laughs> that's actually really funny. That's like my um, that's like literally my dad. Right? Like, <laughs> and his dad, right? Like, you know, like that rang very true to me. Um You know, fair enough, I guess. I was actually gonna shit on the Brooklyn stuff, because I I think that I it is fine in the sense of I think it's okay to create a context for Mario to live in. Right. Um I just think it's superfluous, and I sort of just wish we didn't... I don't, I don't like any of this stuff with, like, the real world, the fake world, any of the metaphysics that are involved. I just kind of want Mario to live in the Mushroom Kingdom. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if Mario was just a plumber, then he happened to have an Italian accent, he has a brother named Luigi, and they wear these stupid overalls and gloves, and they walk around the Mushroom Kingdom, and oh no, he has to go repair a pipe at Peach's Castle, and then he stumbles into his hero hero's journey from there. I think that would have been fine, and that's kind of what I was going for. Uh, or kind of kind of what I was like expecting. I think the thing of Mario like stumbles into the Mushroom Kingdom, and then they go back to Brooklyn, but then like Bowser shows up on the streets of Brooklyn. I was like, ah, uh, what? Oh, you know, sure, there, whatever. There is a part of my mind that immediately went to like you know a CG Mario World Alex Jones going like, and you're telling me this plumber who just had an ad <laughs> on television just so happens to save the city because like God. you know he caused the problem right like he's the hero but like he also like. Sent the bullet pill into like Brooklyn, we're like a massive, <laughs> a massive <coughs> bomb that's apparently sentient and capable of getting angry. Which you know, again, this is Cinema Sins level shit, right? Like it's a kids movie. I'm not actually mad about this, but there was a part of me that's like, the, like there is a body horror cut of this movie where like the bullet bill is like, I live to explode, right? Like you know, and, you know, <laughs> in this act of defiance, like refuses to blow up on the castle, just chases Mario instead or something, right? But it's yeah, like well, the weird thing about that for me was I was like, if Mario figures out that he can trick the bullet bill, right? Why doesn't he trick the bullet bill into blowing up Bowser's floating island volcano? Yeah, but, you know what I mean. Why does he trick the volcano into? blowing up his the pipe home and then i was like oh this is actually kind of clever he is sacrificing his ability to go home he's trapping himself yeah. in luigi in the the mushroom kingdom right um and he, and that is his th this is his thing where there's going to be some moment where luigi's going to be like but mario we'll never be able to see mom and dad again and he goes i you know there's no other way, right? And and he and he makes this heroic sacrifice, and now he's locked in the Mushroom Kingdom forever. He can have his his whatever. Sure, fair enough. But no, then they just go to Brooklyn, and I was like, okay. Yeah. And then you know what is funny? I actually I thought, I thought, someone I thought he was gonna get like Uncle Ben here, where Bowser was gonna kill his dad or something, you know, like kill his mom. Um, 
and uh, and then that didn't happen. And I was like, right, what movie do I think this is? Yeah, you know, like where the, the Bowser is gonna what incinerate Mario's mom to a fucking charred black skeleton? Like, what the fuck was I thinking? But just like the movie left me so unmoored that you know, I don't know. I was thinking all kinds of things, especially because there are moments. It's like it's like in, in Teen Titans Go to the Movies where they're doing the back in time montage where they're going back and they're changing all of the the superheroes or whatever, doing stuff like um, dropping a, a six pack of soda cans in the water and they watch Aquaman start to choke on it. Um, they shove Batman's parents down Crime Alley and then you watch them get shot and Robin has like the big like thumbs up <laughs> smile face, right? Like that stuff. It's funny. It's I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, that's that. Was, what, what was I saying? Brooklyn. The Brooklyn stuff was weird. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like, like I said, I, I appreciated it from this kind of like a, like a you know a, a Brooklyn uh, you know a Brooklyn as Brooklyn <laughs> type thing, but like, <coughs> it was like slightly lo- like, slightly longer than it needed to be. Maybe like I don't know. I don't think we needed this kind of like weird like, meta plot point about them being like you know, kind of losers that, like, you know, needed to prove themselves as... Yeah. Because, like, I, I think... I don't know. The, the problem is, is, like, if you try and do it too... You try and be too clever about it, right? Like, then you get the old Mario movie, right? Where it's, like, they're plumbers, and, like, they solve this weird situation by using their, their you know, otherwise demonstrated competent plumbing skills, right? Like, you know, and then that, like, doesn't quite work, right? Like, you know... Because, like, that's, like, that's, like, the normal version of this movie, right? Like, you know, these two plumbers, we show them being competent as plumbers, they get pulled into the Mushroom Kingdom, and they don't know how to deal with things because it's, like, talking mushrooms and turtles and whatnot. And then they solve the problem by being good plumbers, which is not a thing. You know, it's like, oh, the ancient pipe infrastructure of the Mushroom Kingdom is in disrepair because we haven't had a plumber here in 700 years, right? Like, you know, um... And that, like, wouldn't work either, but, like, at least it would, like, have, like, a structure that I would recognize. Um, I don't know. And, like, like, I think part of the problem, maybe, just maybe, is, like, you know, Lou said or mentioned earlier, like, Olive Garden, right? Like, I was thinking, there aren't a lot of ads in, there's not, like, an ad in this movie, right? Except I'm wrong, because this is basically just, like, a set of cut together trailers for the the, the current Mario properties, right? Like yeah. we have the cat suit power up, we have the ice flower power up, we have Rainbow Road, right? Go buy fucking double, you know, Mario Kart Eight for for Switch, right after this, and you too can like you know, race Bowser, right? Like that that kind of thing, right? Like it, it feels like it was mostly just trying to like be on the nostalgia, like because because. I want to call it nostalgia bait, but it's not because it's like a lot. Of, it's, it's like all the modern Mario stuff, right? Like it's not like, like there's there's a little bit of nostalgia bait, right? Like they have Charles Martinet being like Uncle Giuseppe, and I, he's also the voice of Mario's dad, even though he's not doing the voice for it, right? Yeah. But like you know, that's basically what all of that this this movie is, right? It's just kind of like cut together trailers of a, of a dozen Mario games with some like white entertainment in between. 
Yeah, and this is part of what I think the Sonic movies do well. Um, so something I saw the other day was a quote about the movie, or I'm sorry, the TV show Barry, right? Um, the Bill Hader TV show Barry, which I have forever contended, incredible, great show, right? Um, and there was a quote where one of the directors or, you know, the showrunner, somebody was talking about how um, they had to do a lot of changes in editing because they realized that they were doing stuff for fan service rather than for the sake of the show, right? Um, and he was like, and... In the when we were filming it, we thought to ourselves, "Oh, the fans will love to see this, right? This is this is great." But when we were cutting it together, it's like the show started being another show for one scene and then swapped back afterwards, right? Um, that it wasn't kind of being true to itself, essentially. Um, <coughs> <coughs> which I absolutely think this is, but it is just all fan service, right? Um, there is no real movie kind of underneath, um, kind of underneath the surface. And, um, and a guy, a video game designer uh, named Jeff Hamilton, uh, who I, you know, respect, uh, quote tweeted it. And he was like, if the only thing you're ever doing is chasing that, you know, familiar kind of expectation, right? You're only going to get like a B minus, right? Showing people what they want to see is actually not what people are here for. You need to show them what they didn't realize they wanted to see, right? Which is the the core tenet of a plot twist in any situation, right? Um, you don't just want to see, um, I don't know, what's a good example of this? I actually, I think I might have one, right? Like, oh, yeah. Not that it's out yet, but the Barbie movie, right? Like, the Barbie movie is like pitching itself as, like, not actually quite being, like, just Barbie, right? It's, like, this weird kind of, like, you know, I think Greta Gerwig said on Instagram that, like, it's, like, taking inspiration from, like, the Truman Show, right? Like, you know, this it's, like, <laughs> it's Barbie and Ken, right? But it's in this, like, weird new thing that, like, like, oh, they actually, like, did something interesting with this, right? Like, kind of deal, right? As opposed to, like, just kind of, like, a actual, bar like, what you would expect a kid's Barbie movie to be. If that makes yeah. sense, right? Like no, yeah. So uh, the example I was thinking of because I'm me um, is the car stunts in in Fast and Furious, right? In Fast and Furious Six, it's they fight a tank, right? You know, it is there are a bunch of street racers from Los Angeles, and oh my god, now there's a tank. You know, they're like, this is the kind of thing you're upping the ante. You're giving them that, that next big thing. Right. Um, you know, he's in a formula one race car where he can slide a big metal ramp on it and people zoop off the ramp and crash into whatever. Right. Like this is the, this is the kind of thing. <coughs> Mario is just sort of the B minus. I think it is showing me exactly what I expected to see in uninspired ways the power-ups are not clever they are quite literally you hit the block the thing comes out you eat it it does exactly what it does in the game right um to the point where if like if you get hit which is like just like said you if you get hit you lose the power-up right like mm -hmm. it's like yeah anyway go on sorry and so the thing that is impressive to me about Warcraft or about Sonic or even about Detective Pikachu 
is that all of these are video game movies, right, that are functionally doing the exact same thing, right? Um, some of them are doing them in more direct one-to-one. Like, Warcraft wants to tell you a serious story, even in, <coughs> like, Warcraft orcs and humans, right? Like, it is building a real world that has real physics, right? And those physics are different than our world. There's magic, there's whatever, right? There's a history. Um, but this story is fundamentally told in that scenario, in that in that sort of situation. Um the um, Detective Pikachu just tells you a story in a world where Pokemon are real they and they exist. And there's this one Pikachu who can do a weird thing that no others can, right? And he's going to take you through this, you know, this kind of like adventure together. Um, e even in Sonic, right? Sonic is this wisecracking hedgehog. He's fighting Eggman. He's going real fast. Okay, and all of these evoke the feeling of playing these video games better in a weird way than the Mario movie does. Because, like, as much as I understand, it is literally transcribing, right, levels and mechanics in the sense of um, Mario going around this, like, this, this loop or whatever, or, like, hitting the blocks. I actually don't think that those things are really supposed to be literal. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Mushroom Kingdom as depicted in Mario 1-1, is a different, is like, is a, is an abstraction to what my mind's eye kind of fills in for a yeah. real Mushroom Kingdom. And this is what all these other movies sort of don't get or haven't or didn't figure out, right? When, <coughs> when Sonic is running real fast and doing his, you know, you know, bouncing, goofy, whatever nonsense, right? that looks and feels more accurate to me because it evokes that feeling of playing a Sonic game, right? Even if the Warcraft stuff doesn't really match one-to-one -one with what the what the game itself looks like or whatever, um, it feels more accurate to me because it understands kind of that underlying spirit of things, right? You know, it's not just that it is showing me a building that is the Warcraft barracks, right? It is showing me that building and the people who are working in it and who would work in it, right? When I, I, a better example of this, when they fly over Stormwind in, in Warcraft, Stormwind is not a one-to-one -one recreation of Stormwind as it is in, in WoW, right? Because Stormwind as it is in WoW is like the size of a Walmart. It is not that big, right? Yeah, yeah, like but you there, see there are 40 people that live in Ironforge, right? Like, you know. Yeah, it, yes, exactly. But you when you fly over when you fly over Stormwind in Warcraft, it's this huge expansive city with labyrinthine streets and you can see the the the, the important stuff. You see the canals, right? You see the great cathedral of the light, probably the biggest, you know, most important sort of landmark. There's the big castle on on like the far side. All that stuff is accurate, right? But it it <coughs> <coughs> Flying, flying over storm is the best part of the movie. Honestly, sort of true, right? Um, and that, to me, is more accurate to the spirit of these video games um, than what Mario does, which is literally transcribing the video game one-to-one -one and assuming that that's the reason that, like, I am interested in going to a Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I was thinking that, like, you know, Detective Pikachu is just kind of like... What like I I think it kind of stands up like it's like not quite hit doesn't quite hit the mark in that sense either, <laughs> but like Sonic like, <coughs> leans into like the meme version of what Sonic is, right? Like mm -hmm. you know, it it you know it isn't afraid to like make chili dog jokes 
or like you know m reference like memes that everybody loves or like even just kind of like leading to the like you know know that it's a fucking meme movie right like you know um it's, uh, it's the stuff with like the wedding on the beach that like keeps getting ruined right like it's it's it there's like there's none of that like because like when you're going to a Sonic movie, you're not expecting to, like... You're not expecting high art, right? Like, you know... You're, but you're expecting, like, something. Like, you're expecting them to do something interesting with it, and Mario just refuses to do something interesting with it. Um, which, you know, I guess is basically it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought there we were going to have a hard time talking about this movie. We managed to, you know, talk for over an hour on it. I, I thought so, too, but yeah. here we are. An hour later. <laughs> <laughs> so now how was how was your last two weeks oh uh, yeah it was uh pretty all right um uh, what did i do of, of particular note um i put a little bit of time into hi-fi rush um just because i wanted to check it out it's a pretty <laughs> cool game i want to put more time into it um yeah, home, i don't know it is a character action game available on uh like, like stealth drops but it's on like game pass and it's on xbox and pc um and it is a Rhythm-based fighting, no, uh, a character action game, where like you do sick combos and whatnot, and like your attacks always happen on the beat. But if you actually time the button presses to the beat, you do like extra damage. Um, it is very cool. Um, I beat the first level, and I need to go back and do more. But um, otherwise, I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. Um, uh, still in gold right now, just because like. This is my curse with, with trading card games, is I am more interested in playing a deck that I designed that's kind of obtuse than playing a deck that's good. Um, and it's only if, like, I manage to independently design a good deck, like, outside of, like, the constraints of the meta that I actually end up doing well in these games, right? Um, and so, like, I'm kind of stuck in gold right now. Um, I might manage to... The, the, you've never, like, adopted a somebody else's deck and, like, tinkered with it to make it your own, that kind of thing? Um, some, like, I have in certain circumstances, but, like, I also, like, that's, like, what I'm about at that point is usually when I'm around the point where I'm starting to lose interest in the game, right? Because, okay. like, like, I have adopted certain things, and I have, like, looked up build lists, but, like, I just, like... That's not the thing. Like, part of the joy of the game, to me, is, like, coming up with, like, a weird build and, like, making it work. And, like, if you're net decking, then you're not getting that, right? Like, <coughs> I do not get as much joy out of skillfully playing the deck as I do in the kind of construction part of it, which, you know, is kind of, like, the biggest drawback of online TCGs, right? Like, it's, like, you know, part, like, the net decking is part of, like, the, like, the meta is part of the, the game, right? Like, and at that point... I'd rather not be playing a tr like the thing that the draw to be for the trading card game is the ability to kind of like build this interesting thing on your own. Otherwise, I would just play like a game that's like not so random and not so and like like card games, trading card games have a high random factor and like a relative. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's got like a, a, a you know bare bottom uh, like dexterity skill requirement and like i'd say like a mid-level like tactical skill requirement right like you know it's not as deep as something like like you know like a like a hardcore war sim or something like that right sure um 
and there are proper plays to make, and there's there's some skill and joy of like getting up on that. But like, there's the big thing is there's so much randomness in the in in, in the game that like you can just be screwed by the draw. And at that point, like, I'm only interested in doing it if I'm executing on, like, a strategy of my own design. If I'm just executing on somebody else's strategy, I don't feel like I'm, um, I don't feel like I'm, like, doing something interesting and I lose. Okay, so at the at the risk of, like, unraveling every collectible card game for you ever, um, at what point are you just adopting the strategies that the designers have included for you? Yeah. No. So, for instance, you know, when you find an interesting build-around card and you make your deck for it... Isn't what's what's the like the difference between net decking and picking up on a build that some designer at you know whatever second dinner Wizards of the Coast Blizzard right thought they were like oh this would be a really fun deck to build with this card does yeah that make sense? no it, it it does um and like on the one hand there's <laughs> not like <coughs> part of it is like. There, there's definitely some of that, right? Like, you know, um, but part of it is, like, trying to do it on my own in a way that's, like, like, figuring out that puzzle in some ways is satisfying. And, two, also, like, doing it in a way that surprises my opponent, right? Because, okay. like, my, 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 I guess my core assumption is that if I'm surprising my opponent, that I'm also surprising, like, a designer who didn't expect the thing in that place because otherwise it'd be a dominant met like it'd be a dominant strategy right or like yeah there's dominant okay dominant. yeah i feel like there, there's a middle ground that i feel like i strike here because i think i do agree with you i don't i don't just like playing the best deck but what something i do like is refining a deck to feel personal and mine so for instance sure. in hearthstone right now um i am playing because warriors trash as as ever um, <coughs> I'm playing a certain version of um, Warlock called Thaddeus Warlock, Chattius Warlock, as he is also known, which basically is built off the back of this one card. It says, Battle Cry, discard a random undead from your hand, death rattle, summon that undead, right? So basically, you have a couple of really big, powerful undead minions in your hand, right? Um, you play this guy on turn five, he dies, and you're summoning a, a 10 mana card, right? Um, Thaddeus is a 10 mana 11-11 that makes your cards alternately cheaper. It, you know, even cost cards cost one, odd cost cards cost one, and it swaps back and forth every turn. Um, but, because he's like Frankenstein, he has like polarity, right? Um, but <coughs> that's like the core function of the deck. The deck, I think, was built... With this in, you know, like, I understand the person who designed the slime basically was like, oh, people are going to combine this with Flesh Behemoth, Dark Hundrethier, Thaddeus, right? Those are their, like, those are their cards that are going to do the thing that, that they do. That's all fine. The thing that I haven't, the thing that I find interesting, though, is taking that archetype and then refining, you know, pulling out cards I don't like in the archetype, putting cards that I think are more clever and and interesting and putting them in the archetype. So for instance, um, the thing that I have done, uh, with this is I have put in Rivendare war rider, um, who is a you know, he's just like a six, six 
the, like the four of the four horsemen, right? Uh, but his thing is when he dies, he shuffles three other the three other horsemen into your deck. Um, and when all four horsemen have died in a game, you win the game, right? So it's an alternate win condition. I've only ever activated it once. But the key thing that's huge about it is that it's constantly putting more undead back into your deck to get pulled out by, you know, like flesh behemoths and by these things. So you never run out of gas, essentially, right? It's just constantly flooding, putting putting gas back into your deck. And it basically takes the deck from sort of a high roll... Um, sort of combo deck, right? Where it's just like, oh, do I get my slime off? Does it pull Thaddeus? Does Thaddeus live? Yes, no, right? Um, into this thing that can kind of recycle a bunch of value because you have all these tools to resurrect undead and pull more undead back out of your deck. So even against like the, the long deep control decks, right? Like I can win those matches, to be honest, pretty easily because most of the time they don't have good ways to disrupt my... Baron Rivendare sort of infinite value stuff going on, right? I'm sure there are there are other versions of this deck that use a different set of cards, um, notably Malganus and the Jailer. So Malganus makes your hero immune, and the Jailer makes your other minions immune for the rest of the game. And so the idea there is you play Malganus, and then you play the Jailer, or you play the Jailer first, and then you play Malganus afterwards, and you have a board of immune minions, and you have a hero that is immune, just can't be targeted by anything, can't be attacked, anything like that, um, and you sort of win the game by default. You have activated this ultimate turtle mode, right? <coughs> um, those are two different versions of the deck. The Jailer version is way more common. If I were to have net decked this deck, it would be the Jailer version, right? But I have pulled the Jailer out, put Baron, da you know, Rivendare in because I want to play this deck in this sort of value way that is really geared to killing control decks like Blood Death Knight um, rather than this, frankly, weird, like, turtle way that at a certain point I'm just like, what do you even... Do you, are you, is the, your win condition they concede because they just can't do anything, I guess? Like, that, that's that's how you win the game, right? Um, and uh, and I feel like that's part that's partially me going, I want this thing to be mine, right? I want to find my own niche that is not anyone else's playing this deck that I like that nobody else likes to play. Um, <coughs> but part of that is net decking to a certain extent. The first build of Thaddeus Warlock I played didn't have Baron Rivendare in it. Um, and I made those changes because I thought it was, I thought it was bad. The same thing was true for my quest hunter when I did my big, you know, kind of push to legend last year. Right. Um, I took a, a quest hunter deck and I refined it four or five times until I got that version. I really, really liked that was really mine. And I went on that legendary run 25 and three all the way up into legend. Um, does that, does that make any sense to that? Does that no, kind of track it, with your decision-making? It kind of does. It's just, like, not a thing that is as interesting to me, right? Like, you know, I mean, part of this is just, like, I just don't net deck, right? Like, and, you know, and that hurts my chances of winning most of the time. Like, but and all the times that I've, like, felt like, felt like I'm in the game enough that I need to, like, look up strategies to be better at it is, like, very close to the time that I just drop the game because I'm not interested in it anymore. Um, and that's not to say that, like, like it's just, like, not a thing for me, I guess, right? Like, I... I really enjoy that kind of, like, build quality of it. I also really enjoy kind of, like, putting my own, like, you know, being surprising. I also, like, I've got a little bit too much of Dave in me, like the Dave psychograph. Um, and oh, my God. I, there are some Dave decks in heart. I want to, like, 
almost want to pitch you these decks. They are so dumb, but also very funny. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just like be like the deck I really like to play in Marvel Snap is this deck that's just basically about being annoying. And then if I do it right, I kill a bunch <laughs> of stuff on the last step. And it doesn't it. I mean, it wins. It wins and loses, you know, at an all right rate. But it's not a dominant deck. Right. Like, um, you know, end of last season, I got some tips from uh, friends of the cast. <laughs> Uh, RKJ and Abu Gaber about like um, <coughs> like how to do a meta version of like the deck that I was like looking into, which is like a dis discard deck. Where it's essentially so, um, Modok when you put him down, he discards everything in your deck, and uh, Hella um, when you play her, she she plays everything that has been discarded on the field. Oh yeah. The problem is is if you have both of them in your hand and you play Modoc, you discard Hella and you can't you know you can't play her, right? And the piece that was missing is is the way that this deck works is you play Invisible Woman who prevents things from revealing and then you play Modoc and Hella under uh, under Invisible Woman. So on the last end step of the like on the end step of the final turn, they both turn up and they discard and play everything. And like I did some refinement on that, but ultimately I like kind of fell off of it because it's like Part of it is that, like, it's a very broke mechanical set play deck, which is not a thing I'm, I'm big into. Um, but uh, and it was just kind of like, like, I won a fair amount with it, but, like, it also kind of, like, bored me. The, but, you know, Rohan also gave me a tip on my, like, I posted my, this, this, this deck, which just was previously just a pure Dave deck. All the cards were built just to disrupt and be annoying. And, like, as a result, it wasn't winning very often because it's, like, it didn't have a win condition. It just aggravated the opponent. Um, Rohan told me to put Kingpin in the deck. The way Kingpin works is is on turn six. If something moves to his lane, he kills it. Um, which you know, I just like I swapped out a couple cards. Like I put I swapped out a couple cards that, and like cards that move your enemy's cards are also super fucking aggravating, right? Like so they fit well with the theme of the deck, and I kind of like rebuilt the deck with that card in mind. And like I'm, it's it's at a point where I feel like the deck is mostly mine, but it still like has this game plan and it's got a lot of stuff to play with it. And I'm constantly switching cards out of it, right? Like a popular deck right now that is infuriating to me. It's like the most boring fucking deck in the world. So there are cards there, there, there. You know, there's like cards without effect in uh, in Marvel Snap. They're just kind of like they they generally have okay value, right? Like, like the Hulk is a six yeah, energy, whatever, he's, twelve, twelve, or six, twelve. And like Moon Knights, or not Moon Knight. Um, uh, Moon Knight's a different thing. Um, Misty Knight is a one-two, and Shocker's a two-three, and they don't do anything. But Patriot is a three-one that gives plus two to all of your cards that don't have any text, and then you play Mystique to copy um, him, and it's, and then you you usually usually in the game by playing Ultron, who is an eight or six-eight that like summons one-ones to all your empty spaces and they're all no text cards. <coughs> so the, you know, the oh. bonus. and it's like, yeah, very, it's very boring. Um, it's very oppressive. And so like, you know, my move for this was like, um, you know, two, two very powerful Dave cards are Cosmo and, uh, or Cosmo is the big one. So, so Cosmo prevents on reveal effects from happening. Enchantress on reveal strips, Strips cards of their ongoing effects, which like will kill your 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 your, um, your patriot, your opponent's patriot, right? So I need to keep him in the deck. Um, but yeah, like th this is like 
there are versions of the deck that I've done that run Cosmo Listers, that run Enchantress, I'm running Enchantress right now because that's really powerful. There's versions that run Killmonger, which kills every one-cost thing, right? Um, he's, I'm not running Killmonger right now because big one-cost decks aren't popular. I'm considering putting him in because, because this fucking Ultron deck is so popular, right? There's versions that I've run with, um, uh, with, uh, with armor. Armor is a 2-3 that um, makes all things location indestructible initially you think like this is like your common like you know like new not noob trap but like oh this is not actually what it seems like initially you think it's to protect your cards no the point of armor is you put it in a lane against a deck that runs a lot of destruction effect like self-destruction effects right because that's another deck i like to to run it's like you know you kill you kind of like it's venom based on venom and carnage and they eat their own cards um and you throw that in a lane. That's oh, but you make that indestructible so they can't eat their cards. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. essentially, if you're doing it right, is the turn that they're like they're they're setting up for this, and the turn that they're going to that they, you. The, another mechanic here is that like who reveals first is kind of important, right? So like you set it up so that you're revealing first, mm -hmm. and then the turn that they throw down their carnage, you have thrown down your armor, and when the flip happens, you flip your armor, and it keeps and like. He goes to, like, munch, and it doesn't happen. It's like, ha, fuck you. I fucked your game plan, right? Um, and then they usually... Yeah, no, I, I absolutely understand. That's like uh, in the old version of Quest Hunter <laughs> when I used to play Big Mage, uh, Big Spell Mage, right, which plays nine mana, ten mana spells, and I played Ice Trap, which when your opponent casts a spell, it returns that spell to their hand. It costs one more. And Ice Trapping a Big Spell Mage is just the greatest thing in the world. You play. I play my one mana Ice Trap, and you spend your whole fucking turn playing a ten mana spell. Just bounce, you know, like right back into your hand. Ah, oh, so satisfying. Yeah, there's some there's some Dave Hearthstone decks right now. I mean, honestly, that that Warlock deck is one of them, right? Um, because immune is a. It is not an impervious can can you know. Uh, it's kind of like protection from everything, right? Um, is sort of how immune functions in like Magic the Gathering speak. <coughs> it can't be tar you can't target immune creatures, um, but you can AOE them, which is the thing that makes it w crazy, right? So, for instance, um, you can brawl and it will destroy immune creatures, right? You could twisting nether and it will destroy like immune creatures or whatever. But the, yeah, like there's a there's a bunch of decks right now that are built on that because there's this one card called Tony, King of Piracy. He's a troll pirate and he has an aura effect that says both players' decks are swapped, right? So as long as he is in play and like not silenced or whatever, that is the case, right? Uh, and there's a bunch of decks that use him, one of which is the Jailer. So the Jailer makes all your minions immune, but he destroys your deck. So what you do is um, you play Tony, you swap decks with your opponents, you play the Jailer, you kill their deck, and then you silence Tony, swap decks back, and now they have no deck, right? But the one that I was playing, which was truly, truly hot garbage, was Tony Warrior, which is even dumber, because Tony Warrior has... Um, they have a card called Fires of Zinashari, right? Which transforms your deck into random big minions that cost five or more, right? Um, and kind of the idea <coughs> is you're playing a warlock, you're playing a warrior deck where you have all this like a control deck, you have all this removal, right? But now your opponent is out of stuff and you just need to kill them by by putting threats in the board. Boom. Fires of Zinashari. And you just start drawing threat after threat after threat, and you're always playing a big minion every turn, basically, right? But the thing that you do with the Tony is, um, is you play Tony, and then you fires their deck 
So you just, whatever their deck is, you just turn it all into these big ass minions, right? Um, and then there's another card called Steam Cleaner that just says, destroy all cards in a deck that didn't originate there, right? And then you, you like pop their deck out of existence. All of these are super dumb meme decks that like don't win games or whatever, but they are perfectly frustrating experiences because like, Boy, I have won actually with the Tony combo a couple of times. Um, I was actually surprised how efficient it was with Warrior. It's just that like seven mana to like barely fuck with your opponent's game plan. They still have all the cards in their hand or whatever. And then you have to kind of win the game from that point. Um, it's just sort of it's sort of hard. But it's very satisfying when they just don't have a way to come back from it. You kill their board, you drop Tony, you fires their deck, and they're just like, I don't know what to like, how do I how do I follow up this? Um, <laughs> <coughs> yeah. There's also a rogue deck that I like quite a lot, which you, there's a lot of bounce effects in rogue where you bounce replay shit. There's a card called Worgen Rody who puts a zero three on your opponent's side of the board that says you, you your opponent equips a random weapon. So the idea is you put a minion on their side of the board and then you break that minion in order to give yourself a random weapon, right? You know, kind of whatever. Um, but the rogue deck, you just keep playing the Worgen Rogues and bouncing them and you fill their board with zero threes oh, they and can't they can't play anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you just kill them. <laughs> That's amazing. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, that was the big thing um, that I did with my because I played a bunch of that. Um, the other thing I want to recommend <coughs> is uh, I have recommended uh, uh, Hoglaw for a lot of like legal related video game stuff, like just to like listen to him. Sure. Yeah, um, he had a stroke, right? Yes. Yeah, that's actually what I'm going to talk about. He had a stroke recently. Um, he is better. He is back to doing some of his streaming stuff. But he recently did two longer streams, basically about the experience of having a stroke. Um, and, like, the first one, like, if, if you're interested in that, I'd highly recommend it. And also, like, the first one is, like, you know, basically, he, what did he say? He said, I watched a movie with my kids, and like, or I, I was having, I had I had this really bad headache, and I was watching a movie with my kids, and I was, like, having trouble getting up the stairs, and I didn't know what was happening. And then, like, the next thing I remember is, like, like I have, like, shots of, like, being in the hospital, right? Like, I don't quite remember everything. Missy is, like, my wife. Um, who comes on the cast and talks about her side of it as well as like, like my husband was like on the floor, just like laying there. And like, he was telling me, what did she, he, she was like, I, I had a suspicion it was a stroke and I told him to smile at me and he smiled with half of his face. And I immediately ran and Gret called 911, right? Like, <clears throat> just kind of like that general knowledge type stuff, right? Like, this is like, you know, the last question of, um, of uh um actually right like concerning real life skills right like that's basically what this is is like this is this is what it looks like when someone's having a stroke this was my experience of having a stroke right he was he talked about how like he was basically delusional for a long period of it like he thought he was like like going off to like a fantasy land every night and like he had like like and that like it was like a fantasy version of like upstate new york where he like but he, he like knew he was in a hospital it was like very like kind of dream level and also like you know I have not, like, he's like, I was having headaches all December, and I don't have headaches anymore. That was probably a warning sign, right? Another thing is, like, I also was diagnosed with sleep apnea in the hospital, and that's probably what, part of what caused it. You know, gave me, like, I, I wear a CPAP to sleep, right? Like, it gave me, like, you know, um, you know, stop. It's like, I'm glad I did that. I'm famously, um, uh, one of the guys from Triant Bomb died of, from sleep apnea complications when, I think he's, like, I think when he died, 
he's like younger than we he was younger than we are now i think let me let me let me look that up but like that was i would do want to recommend that i'll link that in, in the description if you're interested in, in watching any of that <coughs> but buddy wow yeah ryan davis yes. apparently what, 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 yeah that's interesting my grandfather had a stroke um and he was it, it's funny because so he was a linguist obviously so he's very interested in like the idea of communicating um you know how language communicates ephemeral thoughts into like a thing that okay the core function of language and media, right, is to take something ephemeral, right, which is a thought, and transmit it through a medium into something that reproduces the same thought in someone else's head, right? Like, at its bare minimum. That's, that's like, what we're doing when we're communicating, right? And a good communicator can do that efficiently. A bad communicator does that poorly kind of thing. Uh, but the thing that he was interested in and talked about with, with his stroke was how he had a stroke <coughs> and it erased from his brain a bunch of things that he knew and he physically could do but he couldn't remember how to right and, and the example you use is make a fist right um he would go to physical therapy and he would watch as the person would take his hand and you know fold the fingers right and hold them there and his hand would hold the fist right but he could not think you know, to issue the command to his own hand to, you know, make a fist. He had to relearn, essentially, um, that thing. And there's all this stuff about <coughs> how, um, how like, a stroke fucks with your basic sort of um, ability to communicate with your own body. Uh, because, you know, when that's, that's, that's how it happens. But um, most minor strokes you can come back from fully right you can regain all of the lost motor function that that you that you lost and everything like that um but it's just a very weird thing to like you know to be to be like i've never had to think about walking before right. in my life right the process of walking and i had to cognitively relearn a thing that i never even learned in the first place i just always knew how to do but you lose that instinct and you have to like build it back up again i don't know that stuff is neat yeah um it's crazy yeah yeah. <laughs> but uh, how was your week? Did you play any Chorfs? Uh, Chorfs are not out yet. Chorfs are out on Thursday. Uh, cruelly. Am I a fucking moron? Holy fuck. If Chorfs are out, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Uh, yeah, it was released. Oh, my God. What? I'm a moron. <laughs> you, you've I'm such a fucking idiot. You've, you've had you've had important work stuff to do. Yeah. I thought, whoa! I could. I, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe this. I thought it was coming out the same day as Zoetti. I remember. Oh. I can't believe this. I thought it was coming out the same day as so any. I'm such a fucking moron. Um, yeah, the uh, <laughs> you know what it was. Honestly, uh, it's because Zoe was supposed to come out on the 13th, and we pushed it back a week before uh. we announced the release date, and then that must have been it. Um, I'm such a fucking moron. Holy shit! Because I remember thinking, I was like. It's so cruel that Chorfs comes out the same day as fucking Zoetti. Um, I'm so mad about that. Uh, oh, my God. It's been out this whole fucking time. 
They have funny hats. <sighs> you know, they do have funny hats. I love tr- I love the 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 chorfs are like great uh meme content I have found. Um you know, like there's a, the, the 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 meme about labor, right? Uh which is just slaves because like they take slaves but you know, and there was this whole thing where people were like why why can't they call them slaves or whatever um which is like first of all it's, it, people were assuming it was like a ratings thing or whatever. Um, it's like, no, ratings had nothing to do with it. There's already slaves in the game. Dark elves take slaves, right? Um, <coughs> but the thing is, is that like dark elves have this like cruel malice and like impetus towards, um, you know, like sacrificing slaves, right? And like dominating these and dominating these slaves. For the chorfs, it's just, they just need labor to build their machines, Right. They just need a bunch of a bunch of hobgoblins. Right. To sit in a factory until they die, making rivets for their chaos trains. Um, and I always thought that was that was very I thought that was very cool. I think that that's like yeah, yeah, no. the kind of, are, you know, are, evocative. Are, are they like Russian inspired? Because that, that, that feels very kind of like, you know, a million deaths. Is, is, it's like a statistic type thing. Right. Like this is kind of like the like, you know, you know. You could say that, like, a lot of peasants throughout history were effectively slave labor, but it wasn't quite that. It was just, like, pure disregard for them as people. They were just, like, kind of, like, things that did stuff, right? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this is uh, the difference between chattel slavery in the United States um, and chattel slavery in the Caribbean. I don't know. I don't know how, like, black pill you are on this shit. It is brutal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like this, because the slave trade for sugar plantations was very different than the slave trade for cotton plantations. Because in the South, in the United States, um, essentially plantation owners realized that this is so dark. If two of your slaves get married and have a kid, they give birth to a new slave yeah. who you own, right? Um, and that's more valuable, actually, um, than what was happening in, in sugar plantations, where in sugar plantations, they just worked slaves for 22-hour days for three months out of the year, and most of them would die, and they would just buy new ones. Um, and yeah, the, the, way, the, the way I've heard it expressed is like, you know, um, like the, the mistake that, that you know people make is romanticizing it too much, but it's like, you know you take care of your farm equipment type of deal, right? Like, and that was kind of like the attitude of the South and like a lot of kind of like <sighs> the more, the, the the kind of like worst racist parts are actually post-slavery because like, you know, they, they, they're, they're not farm equipment anymore, right? Like, um, uh, and whereas like, like you said, like the, the Caribbean was just like wholesale, like cruelty because like, you know, there was just such supply that they didn't have to worry about it, right? Like, Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, and the and you know the demands of working in the Caribbean heat in the middle of yeah. like sugar season is just like <coughs> that, that's all, I don't know. That's also why like some of the stuff like like some of the colonization of Africa was like a lot was like like you know like Leopold right like the Belgians in the Congo yeah. right like, oh yeah, yeah. right because like you're not even like there's no, there's no like transport right you're just like literally like taking natives and like and th- th- there is some like. There is some, uh, like, stuff there. Too. Like, you know, no, nothing's ever as simple as, like, you know, like, kind of, like, the top line stuff. Like, the Belgians in the Congo were tremendously cruel, but, like, apparently the practice of cutting hands was, like, not a thing that the Belgians invented. It's a thing that was, like, 
in the area beforehand. Doesn't make it any less cruel. Doesn't make it any better. But like you know. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh God, that stuff is so brutal. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> um, I, to answer your question, I don't know that the dwarfs are or the 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 chorfs, the chaos dwarves, are built on sort of like a Soviet sort of thing. Um, but because uh, you know, obviously, the Russians in Warhammer are Kislev. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they kind of have, you know, like, it's weird because the, the Chaos Dwarves just haven't been in the game since, uh, like, second edition or something. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, like, have not, they've just not been around. Um, and so there's a lot of new stuff. This is, this is sort of, like, uncharted territory, right? right. Which is why it's exciting um, for, for people. The Cathay were, like, not in the tabletop game at all, right? Like, that was, like, a Yeah, also that... true, yeah. Cathay was... Um, like alluded to right uh it's sort of like in pathfinder like tian Zha was sort of like this yeah, for a long yeah. time right it was like alluded to and then eventually it became like a whole thing um cathay was alluded to but never actually um or, or it's like one of those things where like you could build your army and like dress them up like you imagine cathay would be but like it's not like they have special rules to support them Right, like yeah, and there's some stuff from like um, there were some like custom rules for certain like so for instance I think in Norska there was rules for this right like you could build a Warriors of Chaos army that was built around Norskin raiders right um, and they had custom stats and stuff I think it was from the White Dwarf magazine right which was the the magazine about Warhammer stuff. <coughs> <laughs> it's, it's essentially like you know making an archetype or something for like a D&D game or something like that but um and the, and some of that stuff would eventually like Wolfric the Wanderer for instance was the legendary lord in that white dwarf magazine that like powered up these you know uh these like Norskin raiders that kind of a thing um so yeah you know uh I'm excited I like I you know the thing that excites me about Chaos Dwarves is it is exciting to play an evil race that builds stuff, right? Um, one of the things, like, builds a real economy. One of the things that's a little frustrating um, in a lot of, you know, any of these kinds of 4X games, when you play evil, you tend to, you tend to have your economy built on um, sort of this... Uh, like slaving and raiding, right? Like when I'm playing Greenskins, right? It's all about raiding and sacking settlements, right? Yeah, um, like when I'm playing Warriors of Chaos, right? Like yeah, 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 exactly, right. Whereas in the when I'm playing Dwarves, when I'm playing High Elves, when I'm playing the Empire, right? The the fantasy for any of these spots, right, um, is that you are building up your towns and villages, you're protecting them. They're the common people. You are the good guys, right? the forces of order in the world or whatever. Um, and you are going to sort of take care of your, your population. The Chorfs definitely don't take care of their population, but they are very interested in building big, powerful cities that create a real economy. Um, and that's just rare. I mean, it's not super rare because Warhammer is a game that has 25 playable races. And I would argue the dark elves are also a lot like this, right? <laughs> um, <coughs> but it's just very fun to play evil races that actually care about building up a real economy for your empire. That is self-sufficient and not built on raiding and, and looting settlements and all this other kind of uh, that stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm such a fucking moron. I can't believe this is out. I can't believe you knew this was out. And, oh, I, I knew it was out because uh, a friend of the cast, Nick, posted about it in the uh, in the GFC gaming chat. Oh, 
I should. This is this is what I get for abandoning Messenger as a yeah, platform. Yeah. I should have been on Messenger, and I could be talking all about my my chore front three. Yeah, no, I have been playing Hearthstone. Um, I've been playing Overwatch too because there is a super cool Sigma skin. I think I might have talked yeah. about this. There's a super cool so cool Sigma skin at the end of the battle pass, and I want it uh, because Sigma is a very fun. Um, uh, commander, or I'm sorry, he's a very fun hero, and the skin is like a, um, th this is, th this season is like space opera, right? All the skins are like space opera themed, um, and Sigma has like a, um, like a battleship commander thing, right? But because it's a mythic skin, you can change parts of it around, right? So you can be like a, you know, like the battle cruiser operational guy, in StarCraft, for instance, um, or more like a traditional like 40k, um, you know, like command, all this other other sort of stuff. It just looks sweet, and I like it. And honestly, Overwatch 2 is a good game. <laughs> it's a good, fun game, at least at kind of like the level that I'm playing it. Um, I'm weirdly really good with this one healer character because I I just do random roll. Uh, because it gives you more experience that way, and all I care about is the experience. So you end up, ex you know, dropping into support a lot of the time. Um, and uh, I've been playing a lot of Baptiste, um, who is like a healer, but I keep getting plays of the game uh, on on him, which is absolutely buck wild, but a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah. So you're trying to get to the end of that battle pass. Yeah, I don't know uh, how long it's going to take. I feel like last time it took me most of the season, but, you know, we'll see. I'll probably be playing um, through most of, you know, April and, and a little bit of May, I I, I bet, or whatever. Um, oh, and then in Hearthstone, obviously, I've been playing Chattiest Warlock, wait, 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 which wait, is... Wait, I got to make a joke real Oh, I'm quick. sorry. Sorry. Okay, make would, your joke. I'm you sorry. you say that you're on a, <laughs> that Sigma grind set? <laughs> yeah, I'm on the Sigma grind set. That's true. Right. That's real, yeah. Now you can talk about Chattius. I'm sorry, I wanted to make that Yeah, so I'm playing this Chattius Warlock. I mean, there, there's just no good Warriors decks, decks to play. Um, I think mostly because I like playing control decks and not aggro decks. Um, and this Chattius deck is fun. I don't know. It's uh, it's fun. It's dumb. There's a bunch of Warlock cards this set that are really, uh, that are really fun, though. There's one called Symphony of Sin, um, which... Uh, it shuffle. It, you play like a powerful spell for six mana, and then it shuffles a bunch of three mana spells into your deck. Um, and this is part of what feels good about playing Warlock right now is you can just keep drawing. Normally with Warlock, you have that threat of fatigue, right? Where you're just drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing, and you're kind of getting closer and closer to sort of um, taking fatigue damage um, and just kind of running out of resources. Uh, but with that Berendar War Rider. Uh, and with Symphony of Sin, I kind of always have resources to be playing, which feels pretty, you know, pretty good, pretty fun. It's not a very good deck. It's probably like tier three. Uh, the meta right now is really defined by Blood Decay, which is, which is another control deck. I just don't, ha I happen to not like it. Um, and then two, a Paladin and a Death Knight kind of aggro decks. Um, one of which I have a terrible matchup into, which is pure paladin, because they have a lot of divine shield. Most warrior or most warlock removal is built on dealing damage, right? Like hellfire, deal three damage to everything. Um, you know that just peels divine shield off of things, but it doesn't really do much more than that. Um, and then uh, uh, frosty K, which I have an amazing matchup into, because stuff like hellfire absolutely decimates them. Um, because, you know, their boards are just pretty, pretty weak to that sort of mass removal, just get, get hit by everything. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, did 
Did you ever finish the uh, the Dragon Scale Expedition? Oh my fuck! I was gonna do that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, but I will do that this week. Okay. I mean, we're out of time anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will do that this week. Yeah. No, I've got. I've been waiting to share this theory for like a month now, so we'll we'll do this at some point. Yeah, we're almost there. We're two weeks from the release of yeah. uh, ten point one on on May second, mm-hmm. um, which is that. Do so you think we're gonna get AOTC before then? <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> I think it depends. Like, I think we need to, like, make a push to just do that. Like, we need to. Um, I think we could, but I think it's most likely to happen on a Thursday. Uh, Louis says no. Um, I think if we had a Thursday where we were actually pushing Raz, I think we could do it. Um, just because it tends to be the people who are more dedicated and more focused. Um, yep. And uh, I think that's uh, like last Tuesday we like basically didn't do a lot. Um, we could have we benched all the other performers. That's basically what Thursday is, modulo like one or two people that I'm not going to insult by saying them out loud on the podcast. Um, and I think we, we're we're strong enough to carry those couple of people over the line. Um, so I think we could get it done on a Thursday, um, but you know. That's uh, there like like the first time the first thir- like we like a couple of weeks ago we did it on Thursday we we got basically through the first two phases I think like I think we like saw like the the second intermission or like we, we kind of like drifted into yep. second intermission once and I think that like that's within reach but like I like I, I agree with Lou that like I don't think on a Tuesday we're we're, we're getting there. Um, I think there is one speed bump sort of left which is in that second phase. Um, uh, killing the second barrier, right? That comes up, um, which maybe we can, maybe we can get that done. But who knows? We'll yeah, see. yeah, we'll see. I'm interested. Raz is hard. Raz, I actually think is too hard. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, we talked a little bit about whether or not. Um, yeah, the, so loses last week. We couldn't even burn first intermission. Uh, yeah, that's because it was a Tuesday and we had all the. Dead weight. I hate. I hate to put it that way, but you know. Um, and also, to be fair, like we have a new healer, um, friend of the cast, Mark, um, who is like way under leveled for it, but like still. That's true. Hard. He saved my fucking. I mean, you were there. He yeah, saved my yeah, yeah. life with a paralysis. It was was really funny. Um, in the like, uh, because I had gotten aggro. I had gotten aggro on one of these mobs, and he was chasing. He's chasing me down. He wanted my ass, and Mark paralyzed him. And I was just like, "Thank God," because yeah. I'm about to die. But you know, we'll see. <coughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about anything else? Or should we? Should we jet out of here? Mm, uh, no. Yeah, I guess we're good. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about this podcast, uh, you can email us at thedirtsplaygames at g- or podcast at thedirtsplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash thedirtsplaygames or youtube.com slash at thedirtsplaygames where these go out live. Um, this is the point where I disclose that I work for Google but not for YouTube, so uh, there's that. Um, you can rate review us wherever you find podcasts. Um, uh, what else? Uh, we've got a Patreon. We've got a bunch of different stuff, uh, you know. Uh, that's everything I have, buddy. You have anything else you're looking to promote? Uh, Zoetti comes out on Thursday, right? Zoetti comes out on Thursday. This is the big one. Uh, yeah, so Zoetti, uh, our turn-based poker sort of 
roguelike deck builder, not even a deck builder, just sort of a roguelike, uh, comes out on Thursday. Um, I'm going to be doing a big stream all day. Uh, I've told chat. I, I'm actually excited for this. So I have told chat, or, or the chat told me, they were like, I wonder if you could do all three without without dying, right? Because there's three story mode sort of scenes, right? Uh, before you kind of unlock what's called adventure mode, which is just sort of a randomized, right? The, a, a, more, a more typical sort of experience. There's no, there's no narrative, any of that stuff. Um, story mode is great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I feel like I'm pretty good at it and I can beat it all in one go. I can do scene one, scene two, scene three without, without dying. Um, except for maybe in scene three, because I keep I keep losing in in scene three. So that's what we're gonna try and do on Thursday. Um, funnily enough, there is a channel point reward for Buddy Must Die, um, which is just you know like people who who are watching the Twitch stream can you know like do the do the channel point thing. It's like it's a bunch of channel points, like two thousand channel points or whatever. Um, but I am adding on Thursday. I am adding Buddy Must Live so that chat can war with me on whether or not they want to, you know, they want to, they want to end my run. People can swoop in and save the run, uh, or they can, or they can damn it to oblivion. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I'm excited. All right. Yeah. Sounds, sounds exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, but I guess that's it with that. I'll say, uh, until next time, your listeners until next time, loyal listeners.